Welcome to the Johnny Cassell Show. This is your number one resource for dating and lifestyle advice. All right, guys, I'm looking forward to this. I'm looking forward to this because, again, it's just bringing on a friend of mine, and we're just going to have a chat, uh, talk about various topics that I feel you guys will benefit from coming in as an audience. Um, you know, if you're familiar with Billy's work, uh, then you know what this guy is all about. I think he's an extremely talented musician, extremely talented writer. Um, He's, he's a great friend of mine. I've, I've watched him like come up over the years from, you know, I, I, I was at a fashion show. I was at a fashion show and he came on as um, the, the pianist and the singer as the models were walking this catwalk. And I heard his voice and I was like, that guy's got something. That guy's really got something. Uh, and he needs to become my friend. <laughs> so after the show, I hit him up on Instagram uh, I made a proposition for him to actually play at my girlfriend at the time's birthday, in which he kindly did um, as the months went on. Um, but the byproduct of me reaching out to him uh, was our friendship. And as I said, over the years, I've seen him really, really grow. Um, look at, if you look at his Spotify right now, he's got over 1.2 million Spotify listeners a month, a month. I mean, that's just phenomenal work, right? Phenomenal. Uh, he's toured with Electric Light Orchestra. He's uh, done a, you know, he's done a sold, he's, he's sold out his UK tours. He's sold out his European tours. And whilst I was out in LA, uh, I couldn't believe it. We was both out there at the same time. And the day that I had to leave, he then got invited on to perform on the James Corden live show, which was a phenomenal uh, moment in his career for him. Um, so Billy will be joining us today, and I hope at the very least you will, if you haven't, if not familiar with him, that you do go out and check out his music. Uh, it's, it's beautiful, it's beautiful if you, if you sat there at work, you know, and to have it on in the background, or you know, you've got a girl around. Uh, you know, he, he's great for, for really setting the mood. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna really like throw some some questions at him today, encompassing everything from stage fright, progression within your image, um, auditioning, rejection, communicating with your audience, and connecting with your audience. Um, because this guy's done it. This guy's gone on this whole, whole sort of personal development through his music career. So I'm gonna invite him on and see what sort of juice we can get from him. Ah, oh, thanks for coming on, buddy. How is it over in Northampton? It's good. It's it's um, it's strange. It doesn't feel like the lockdown's actually got got here yet. <laughs> it doesn't feel like it's any different. Strangely, um, well, you, you're often but, locked away in a studio anyway, so it's it's not much different yeah. for you, right? Yeah, it's very normal. This is a very normal thing for me. Um, and to be honest, I'd planned to sort of hide away for the next three or four months anyway. I, I purposefully hadn't. I'd just finished a tour two weeks before um, before the lockdown, so it's kind of like what was that? You, the European handy. tour you did? Uh, no, it was a UK. This one was a UK, UK tour. tour. Yeah, right. Um, and we finished end of February, and then when the lockdown was beginning of March, so it was uh, yeah, it was. Gosh, I just cut it fine, but I managed it. 
Great. I was just telling the audience uh, before you came on, like our background story of how we got to know each other. And, um, you know, pretty much, you know, I, I heard you uh, perform at a fashion show. And, you know, when I heard your voice and, and, and your pianist skills, I was just like, wow. Like, you know, penis, it really blew me away. <laughs> Thank you, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, really. Well, I mean, you know the story. I mean, but then, um, you know, my girlfriend at the time was like, he has to play at my birthday. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so so yeah. I made it my duty to, uh, you know, reach out and, and create a friendship with you. And, and you did. You did. You, you, you honored your word. And um, you, you performed at a birthday. And that was a beautiful thing. But over those years, you know, since then, I mean, God, that was so many years ago, I've really seen you progress. And it's been a joy to see you, like, achieve these fates that you have. I mean, you know, I just mentioned a few of those things there where you, you had the opportunity to uh, tour with Electric Light, Light Orchestra. Um, yeah. You know, you're, you're currently riding on around like 1.2 million monthly listeners which is you yeah. know, phenomenal, um, you know, sold out UK tour, sold out European tour, you know, you went over to the US, had the opportunity to perform on the James Corden show. I mean, yeah. phenomenal. I mean, you know, those are the, some of the highlights that I've seen for you. For, for you personally, what do you feel is like stands out the most in terms of achievement right now? Um, I finally working out what I am, I think is probably the biggest achievement I've had. And finally being able to be comfortable with, um, you know, do, knowing what I'm good at and doing that and being able to explore and musically be really proud of what I'm doing. I think that's the most important thing. And it took me years to work out what kind of music I wanted to be making. And, you know, it took me a lot of... Uh, label problems and you know constantly questioning yourself and try, try to work out okay what am i what do, what am i good at what do people like about me because it's, it's like it's, it's a strange thing it's like an art getting a nice compromise between what people want and what you want at the same time because obviously you know if you want to do a nine minute prog rock song that's great, but no one else is going to want that. <laughs> so yeah but at so the you've same got to have time, your ear to the ground on what the market wants. Yeah, exactly. Right. But at the same time, you've also got to make sure that you are, you know, doing what you like as well. You, you know, there has to be a compromise and you don't want to be... I mean, when I was with the label, it was kind of like, you know, why don't you make why don't you make a song like Bastille? Because Bastille's really big at the moment, you know? And right. then it was Lewis Capaldi. It was like, why don't you be like Lewis? And it's just like, well, how about I just be like me? And then that might work. Um, and the ironic thing is, as soon as I uh, left the label and started being me... Um, my monthly listeners went up by a million and I went on the wow. James Corden show and, and everything really... It's wow. only, the, second, the second I left the label, um, I had a career. It's just... Uh, and it's because I was finally doing what I wanted and, and people can... I think people can uh, see when it isn't genuine. They can smell it. You know, they know. Like, people are very intelligent but, and they want to see... But I think it's to give credit to the label of where, you know, they gave the opportunity to tour with ELO. You know, well, I mean, that, not really. That, that wasn't there. I mean, that, def yeah, that definitely helped helped you with more awareness, right? Yeah, but they didn't want me Get to do that tour. They wow. um, okay. they they told me not to do the tour, um, and we actually went against them and and decided to do it. Um, 
and uh, and it was one of the biggest uh, decisions of my life, and I'm I'm really glad that we opted to go against them on that. Um, and there was a lot of things, you know, that they would say, uh, "Oh, you should do this," and it was just like, "Oh, I'm really not sure that's right." And but now I'm so grateful that I have complete control over what I do now, and and it's all about being happy. And and you know, music's supposed to be fun. Like I've got one mm. of the best jobs in the world. It's I'm supposed to really enjoy it. And and when you're not making music you like, it's just awful. So yeah. tell me about the music now. Like I mean, you obviously. I mean, a lot of the music that we've heard from you has been fueled from, you know, um, your father, you know, your father's passing and, and, and kind of expressing yeah. your emotion through your songs. That's very raw and real and you really feel that. Um, and there's been other songs about like breakups. There's been songs about um, getting sober. Um, yeah. yeah. How do you, you know, what's the creative process for that? I mean, you just sit down and think, I want to write a song about me. I mean, what, what, what's the triggers for you? How do you, how do you get into creation with it all? It's, it's very dependent. Sometimes, sometimes it can take 10 minutes and sometimes it can take, you know, five years. Um, so it's really, uh, it's really random, but I mean, for the song, say I'm sober, that was all about, um, you know, quitting drugs, trying to quit booze. And I mean, at the time I had for a little bit, I think a week or so, but then it was back on, back on it again. Um, and actually today is, uh, is my month sober. So no drink, no drugs well done. for a month, a month today, which is actually well the done. longest I think I've, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, it's well, the longest well, well, I think well, I've who, ever Who was I speaking to the other day? I can't remember, but it was like, you know, this lockdown, I mean, makes rehab look like a stint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like uh, everyone's coming weirdly, out of this lockdown like more sober and fitter and healthier than ever so it's yeah, all aiding yeah. you in the right direction <laughs> it's really helping though know, pubs being closed and everything it's actually really helped but um but yeah so a month today but yeah that that yeah. song say i'm sober is all about that and it's all about you know the problems the struggles that you have when you're trying to quit something and it and i wrote it with a guy called aiden martin who was also going through some addiction problems as well and we wrote that in about 10 minutes you know it was right. it flew out of us it was such a it, wow. ironic ironically it actually felt a bit like being on a drug when we were writing it you know sure. which is uh even though it's about quitting drugs but but so that one was very quick but then there's other songs um but but before like... we go on about the other songs let's let's just dive deeper into this subject of becoming sure. sober because i feel like there's the song but then there's the actual journey to becoming that I mean you know when yeah. especially when you're a musician right and you're living life yeah. on the road you're touring you're around all these sort of influences you want to kind of delve into that kind of rock and roll lifestyle I mean surely for you it's been the fantasy you know as, yeah, as, it, as, as you were a is, kid yeah. you know so it's so, living the it's living the dream really isn't it it's that feeling of oh wow I've always wanted to live this life and now I have the chance so I'm going to take it all in and that sometimes can be quite damaging in a way because you kind of lose yourself. And it's actually only, it's interesting because a lot of a lot of people, a lot of drug addicts would say, oh, it's, you know, when things are really bad, I turn to the drugs. Right. Um, whereas for me, it was the total opposite. Whenever things when are really things good. When things are really good. Yeah, when everything's great, it's like, God, I'm unstoppable. Everything's amazing. We've got this arena tour. All this has got, I've got money. You know, why not? Fuck it, let's just go crazy. Um, and yeah. when things were bad, when things were bad, that was when I was like, okay, I need to get my head back on. I need to sort and my at life what point out. for you was that? 
When did you realize um, like, wait a minute, this is like affecting a lot of things now? I think it's when, you know, when you lose friendships, um, you're spending, you know, six, seven hundred pounds a week on, on, you know, drugs and drink and, and you're, you know, you're not sleeping, you're losing weight. Um, yeah. you're, you're, my voice as well, my voice was just, uh, just dying. Um, right, right, whereas, right. Na- whereas now it's like, I, I genuinely feel like my 18 year old voice again. Like I've got my old voice back and ev- and it's actually enjoyable to sing again because it's so easy and, you know, I can actually hit the notes that I'd lost because obviously, you know, it's and it's also the amount of, you know, smoking and drinking while you're on the drugs. It's the amount of things, you know, and you don't sleep for days and it, it really, uh, it really messes you up and it's so nice to, like now I'm, I literally, I wake up at six in the morning and do yoga in the morning. I've got a good diet. I mean, the only you're, thing is... I'm, you're, you're doing yoga? Wow. I know, it's crazy. Can we Mate, do an Instagram live with Billy, Billy doing yoga in the morning? Can we do that with your fans? And then a little yeah, sing-along at the end. <laughs> I mean, I'm not very good at yoga. I'm not very good, but I'm doing it. Do you know what I mean? And I've got an appetite again. I feel good. Right. Like, it's yeah. um, this lockdown might have been the best thing that ever happened to me. <laughs> That is the way you got to look at it. It really is. Yeah. I keep telling my audience, like, you know, we've got to come out of this with, uh, like, healthier habits. Yeah. We've just got yeah. to, you know? I mean, it would yeah. be an absolute travesty if all you've done is become a legend at FIFA. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? It's just like, come on. Come on. Yeah, but still, man, that's a pretty big feat. Like, you know, don't knock it. I'd love to be a legend at FIFA. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong, oh. like, I love playing video games, I like chilling out, but yeah. if anything, this lockdown has forced a lot of people to focus on their passions. And, you know, if Absolutely. you dabbled in writing, you're going to start writing a book. You know, if, even if you dabbled in music, all of a sudden, so many people are becoming artists, which a lot of artists are, get, are getting annoyed about, but I think it's great, you know, because it means more music. And it's a, it's any, any way that we can be creative and express ourselves is a good thing, I think. So... Obviously, there's some bad sides, but, you know, every cloud. <laughs> Do, so when, when it comes to, um, you know, when it comes to actually stopping these bad habits, what, did, what do you feel were the steps to stop? I mean, I know, I, I mean, when I, because when, last time I spoke to you, I think it was a bit longer that you'd, um, you'd been sober. So you obviously had a bit of a relapse and then you've gone, gone yep. a month sober again. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> all right. It's all part of the journey. It's all part of the journey, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, with that being said, still, you know, there was a longer period I know that you were sober. So um, what were the steps to then transition? So firstly, um, that last time I wasn't actually sober. I was lying to everybody. That's another thing. As, oh, a, you as a bit of an addict. <laughs> You kind of just say, you just say, yeah, yeah, I've been, but really you haven't. Whereas whereas this, this is the first time that it's true. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? It's actually true. (laughs) So it's been, do you know what though? I had a sip of a beer yesterday because I was really thirsty. Um, I had a, I had a sip in the sun, and I'll admit that. But um, but the thing is, the drinking was never the problem for me. It was always the, it was always what came after that, you know. And so, so the it drinking was, was like, the gatekeeper. Yeah, and, yeah. A lot of people say that weed is the gateway drug, but I really don't think it is. I think alcohol is because, you know, if you're stoned, all you want to do is you know sit and watch telly and eat. Really, you don't really want to go out and go crazy. Whereas, you know, mm. a couple of drinks, a couple of beers, it was kind of like this little 
and it's almost this like secret that no one talks about, but so many people got have this problem where they really they are a drug addict, but they just don't know it, you know. And if you're going right. out every Saturday night and you're having a couple of beers and then ending up on coke, you've got a problem. Do you know what I mean? And I think yeah. a lot of people think, ah, oh, that's all right, it's only on the weekend, but it is it's a real thing. And for me, it was kind of like, okay, so gear one is sober. I love being sober. Gear two is booze and gear three is drugs. And as long as I don't get to gear two, I won't have a problem yeah. with not going to gear three. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. I feel yeah. I feel sorry for the people who struggle with gear one to gear two. I feel sorry for the people who, who find it really hard to not be drunk when they're sober because that must be an absolute nightmare. But for me, not drinking isn't too hard. I don't crave a drink. But when yeah. I'm drunk... But when I'm drunk, I crave drugs. The drugs, and that, right? And that is something that so, I yeah, just, just had keep to the accept. Drink. If you got a, if you got that addictive personality, just stay off the drink. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, let's move off this topic. I, I want to talk about something that um, you know my audience might find relatable, coming from your world, and I think it's um, the topic of stage fright. Have you ever experienced that? Like as a, you know, a, a young musician growing up into even like a mature musician where you hit the bigger stages and bigger audiences. What's your experience with that? Yes, I, I think I have. A, I remember I had really bad stage fight whenever I was playing to a small amount of people. Or if I was doing... Interesting, interesting. <laughs> why, why do you think that is? I, 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 so I, right I, I understand <laughs> that, but yeah. Yeah, it's, I think it's because they're right there. Um, you can't really get away with anything, to be honest, because they are literally... I remember I did a run of house house tours, so I would literally go to, you know, 20 people's living rooms and literally go into their living room and play to, you know, their family, like 10 or 15 family and friends. Um, and it was, it was really nerve-wracking because, you know, one little slip and everyone hears it and everyone sees it, as opposed yeah. to... The, the strangest thing is when we did O2 Arena, we did four nights at O2 Arena. I think you came to one of them actually, didn't yeah. you? Um, yeah. And I didn't have any nerves whatsoever because, yes, it's 40,000 people, but, but they're miles away and you can't see any of their faces and you've got in ears anyway, so you can't really hear what's going on and you can't see them because there's so many enormous lights in your face. It was a walk in the park. I mean, there was, I have to say, I honestly. There was literally no nerves whatsoever for playing O2 wow. Arena. <laughs> but when I played wow. Roadmender in my hometown, I absolutely shit myself because I've, really? I've got all my, uh, wow. all my family there and everyone. I think if people know you, it's a little bit more nerve-wracking, you know, So well, for me personally. I mean, are there any tips to over overcome that? I mean, you seem, I mean, you just mentioned there like it was, it's easier with a bigger audience. It's it's more intense if there's a smaller audience. Is there anything that you kind of do before you get on stage to get yourself in that prime state? Yeah, I, well, I do this warm-up thing where I'm, you know, and, and in a way, the warm-up, yes, it warms up your voice, but it also warms yeah, up Yeah, we've heard your, about that warm-up thing, Billy. Come on, we're, we're, we're talking about sober things. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean the whole, like, you know, that like, you do all these crazy, oh, yeah? like... Yeah, you do all these crazy vocal warm-ups and like you you like all these crazy things. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and weirdly, I might have to recommend that to my guys before they go out, out on their night out. Just you know, have a have a few drinks, stay at home. Go, <laughs> it's really really good for you. It's really good for you. Um, uh, and it's like you do all these over there, and you just go up the scale. And strangely, it's actually. It's training your brain as well as your voice because you you kind of get into this sort of zone 
psychologically. Um, and especially when you're on stage, there does go through these thoughts of, God, if I just stop thinking right now, I could just mess everything up and everyone would see and I'd be really embarrassed. And, you know, and those thoughts, almost like a Tourette, really, it goes through your mind of like chaos of like, imagine if I'd, I forgot the lyrics or something like that, how awful that'd be. And you're thinking yeah. that while you're while you're doing the song. You know what I mean? You've got like wow. people cry, crying their eyes out, but you're just thinking about all the, because you've played the song so many times, it's like autopilot a lot yes. of the time. But you still have these thoughts, and then you just have to train your brain to just go, stop being a twat, come back, come on, right? And then, and then you're in. And then it's, I think the best way for me to zone in is when I start listening to myself singing. And then it almost feels like I'm just listening to the track. And then I'm almost kind of just part of the audience in it. And then we just bumble along together. Do you know what I mean? That's yeah, like yeah, a psychological yeah, yeah. way of doing it. As soon as I start thinking about it too much, it kind of ends up, I, normally I'll mess up. So the best way is to just listen to myself <laughs> you know what I mean? do, do you do you feel like the techniques you use to perform on stage have helped you out in social situations i think so yeah i think in yeah that there, there is a there is a lot that you do learn from going on stage however there is also that classic saying that you should always leave that person on stage because you know it, it's one of those things of like I feel like Liam Gallagher has a problem with that, you know, <laughs> or, <laughs> or, or people like that where, you know, I'd always say on stage, I'm Billy Lockett and off stage, I'm, I'm Bill. Do you know what I mean? Because you can so easily be a bit of a dick if you bring that persona off of the stage. And also in terms of image as well, I remember when I had this huge, massive hairdo. Um, yeah. I think I knew, I knew you then. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, was it and hairdo it, or was it hair don't? <laughs> well this is the thing right on stage on stage it looked cool as fuck right it was super cool yeah. and rock and roll it looked the part but when i was in tesco's getting some <laughs> avocados you know people would look at me and just be like what are you doing like what are you actually doing mate and i would i catch myself you know when like the mirrors in the refrigerator that, that just you... sounded like the most east london thing i've ever heard <laughs> When I was here, you know, this guy you rocks up, leather jacket, big afro, you know, and and he's shopping for his avocados. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And you know when you catch yourself? I'd catch myself on a reflection in a door yeah. or in a mirror somewhere out, and I'd just be like, what the hell, man? Like, just cut your hair. Like, you look crazy. I look this mad scientist. So, it's, you know, but it took I, a while. I kind of like... It took a while for you to... To make that change, didn't it? Because I remember make we were talking change. about we we were talking about um, you know how you were getting pressure from the label to like they give you like these African hair specialists to perm your hair and stuff like that. I remember yeah. it was like, wow, you're so spoiled. I had all these um yeah all these like female African uh, African females like hair products putting all on. these essential oils in your hair and yeah, I mean, look great. Look great. Look I good. mean, maybe you should create like a beauty vlog on YouTube or something, yeah, you know, yeah, for, yeah, yeah. for curly hair I'll get it back. I think I've got a picture of it, actually. Let me, let me yeah. grab it. Go and um, get it. There it is. Here we go. Can you see that? Excellent. Yeah, a bit higher. It? Yeah, great. Amazing. Look at that. There he is. Amazing. Okay. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So that was a bit strange. So, so yeah, let, let's, let's talk about that then, like the evolution <coughs> of your image, because, you know, I know for a long time you were holding on to that image, 
despite what we've, we're talking about right now, you was like, oh, you know, we, we can, you're poking fun at that image, but that was the image. And like, you know, I remember um, your girlfriend was like, no, he can't cut his hair. Like, that's Billy, you know, we can't cut his hair. But then, you know, you kind of took that guided approach into the unknown and then this happened. This, <laughs> this hairdo happened, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But you got yeah. a lot more feedback, like positive feedback for it. So it was a, yeah. a great move. I mean, the, I think the thing is, obviously, as a musician, you don't really want your image to really matter, but it does, and it does. Uh, and yeah. and that's just that's just something that that has to just be accepted. And I think with with me, this the, the way I am now is 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 totally. I've never felt more comfortable with myself, and. Yes, at the time the label was was fighting me to cut my hair, and they were changing the way I dressed. And maybe they had a point. Maybe some of the the way the things I was doing weren't cool, and maybe they weren't down with the kids, but they were me, and that was important. And I think, and I think it doesn't, you know, it doesn't really matter what you are as long as you are you. Do you know what I mean? And I think as you know, if I was trying to be cool, it would be lame. Because mm. that that just wasn't me, um, and now obviously you know I don't wear the snakeskin cowboy boots and I don't have the big. I love um... the snakeskin <laughs> cowboy boots. Where are they? I'll take I them love... off you. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, they're like a four-inch Cuban heel, man. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I was like walking on stilts when I first got them. I was like, <laughs> but still, you know, it was it was a time, and now I think obviously I'm. I'm just kind of not really worrying too much anymore about any of that. And I'm just trying to have fun and enjoy the music I'm making. Um, mm. And and it's interesting because as soon as I just stopped trying to find who I am, I found it. And everyone else suddenly start. I think that's when my fan base started to grow. People suddenly thought, oh, he's just real and genuine. Um yeah, and there's so many people which is desperately trying. Yeah, there's so many people desperately trying to be something they're not, and uh, and I think it's just so such a waste of time, and it's so negative as well. Because the reason they're trying to be someone they're not is because somebody somewhere down the line has told them that what they are isn't good, so they've changed mm. it. And and I think I think you know that's that's really um, I've obviously with social media and you know the world we're living in now. Especially, you know, for girls, it it's really there's a lot it's of pressure. Kind of thrown, yeah, thrown in their faces of what they're supposed to look like and wear and how they're supposed to be. Not so much with guys, but still, still a similar thing. Especially in the music world. Um, but you know what? I'm I'm getting Would older you know, now. Uh, there's there's a funny there's a funny thing about that because I was I was reading this um, <coughs> article and they did a they did a test where they put out images of different types of women, right, and asked men. Which, which type of woman do you find attractive, right? 90% of the men found the computer-generated uh, image of a woman more attractive than the natural women. I mean, that's insane. That's like... Really? And, and when you go into... If you've had the opportunity to um, get, be in the office of someone that works with beauty commercials... It's insane what they no. do. Oh my god! Like it's like this, right? That you'll have like an image of a, you know, like a model, and her head might look better in this image. So they cut the head off that one, put it on that one. You know, oh, her waist looks a bit. Oh, carve it like that, uh. and, then, and then that then goes out as an image that that women then look up to. I mean, 
it's the same with men as well. I mean, you must have seen the, yeah. the doctor, doctored up Justin Bieber photo with his abs for the Calvin Klein. Yeah. Do you know what? I was thinking of doing that. Fuck you, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the park actually... five days a week sweating. And when it's raining, it's sunny, whatever, trying to get those abs. And there's just a guy in an office just, just drawing them on. Do you know what? That Come would be on. a funny little promo, wouldn't it? For me to just sit there and then so obviously like just someone spray paint. Or do a, do a spoof Calvin Klein advert. <laughs> but you had... Um, brilliant. <laughs> you had experience with working with fashion magazines, didn't you? I remember, um, you know, part of uh, the PR journey was to... I, I can't remember. It might have been Wonderland magazine or something like that where was, they, yeah. a stylist comes in you know, and he's got all the friends in the fashion scene and, and he, he gives you the clothes. And then I look at the image, I was like, Billy, that's... Uh, when, when were you into streetwear? <laughs> Do you know what? Like, one, there, was, there was this one shoot, I remember this one shoot, and I was like, I think the guy... I think the photo, the photographer was called Juan. Juan. That's from Colombia. Was, 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 like, was, he, was, he, was he plus one? <coughs> every, plus on one. every party. Plus one. <laughs> And he literally got me in these like these converses right up to the knees, and this this tank top vest um, yeah. and a cap. And I remember my manager just walked into the uh, into the photo shoot, into the studio, just took one look at me, pissed herself laughing, and just left. And never came back. <laughs> she just I didn't. reckon you got stitched up. <laughs> I reckon that was a stitch up, mate. And I kept saying, and you know what the worst thing was? Everyone was telling me how great I looked. Do you know what I mean? You know that kind of thing where you know that you look terrible. You know you do. And and that's okay. You know you look bad. Right. But everyone's like, oh, Billy, mate, that is so you. That is so, really <laughs> so. And I'm just thinking like, kill me now. I need a genuine friend in the room to be honest with me yeah. and tell me what I actually look like. Because I know, I know what I look not like. Someone here, like what? Not someone here that's on a paycheck. I need a fucking, I need a friend from back home to tell me I look like a Wally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's bad. Really bad. Oh, God. So, yeah, I mean, so we would conclude then. I mean, like, style is, is something that, it does matter. Image does matter. But it's got to be congruent to your brand and what you're all about. You've got to be comfortable with the image and the brand that, you're, you're representing and it can't be something that's incongruent you know as, as, we're, as we're jesting about right now because you're just not going to pull it off you're not going to be able to connect be, with the audience it's got to be real I think you've got to be real in, every, in everything you do even if you're not a singer even if you know even whatever you do I just think you need to really like be confident with it and believe in it I think if, you, if you're confident then everyone else will feel that energy do you know what I mean mm. <coughs> it's important to just be yourself but I think it's really and also one resolution that I've been trying to tell myself now is is this year I really want to listen to my gut more because it's always saying things your gut feeling is always there it's just there's been so many years where I've not really paid attention to it and yeah. now I'm kind I of I think everyone can relate to that yeah and now I'm really kind of like you know even with you know I, I changed management recently and I had an offer from a, a, a huge company probably the, the biggest in the world and mm. um and then I had an offer from you know not a small company by any means but a lot smaller than than the company that so I had these two offers and, I, and my gut was saying go with the smaller company because it felt right and they and right. I really 
I don't know what it was. I literally ha really had no facts that I could base it on. But a lot of the times in life, you get these these uh, these options and these questions, and you ha you really haven't got anything to go on but your gut. And so I just went with the smaller company, and I'm so grateful I did it. And and, and I'm they're so giving you a lot more attention rather than having like a massive roster of artists. Yeah, and I, and that's yeah. not to say that the other the other company wouldn't have done. I'm sure that you know the other company might have been great. But yeah. the point is, I followed my gut, and 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 I can never regret that. You know, because that's that's important. I think for people to really do what, what feels right over everything. That's something else. that's just recently happened for you. That's like a new. Yeah. New chapter right now. Fantastic. Yeah, I like hope that really works this, out. This month. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. The um great. What what something else I wanted to talk about and I think is something that you've learned and 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 matured into as an artist is the art of storytelling, you know, as a performer, whether that's writing, you know, your stories for your music or when you come on stage, you know, you have a bit of small talk with the audience, you you, you tell them a little bit about what the next song is about, or you tell them something that uh, happened whilst you were on tour. Um, how important for you is storytelling as a, as a performer? It, it's insanely important. I think it glues everything together because you, um, you know, when I'm rehearsing for a tour, I'm rehearsing what I'm saying as well in between the songs. You know, it's almost like the stories that I tell are almost songs. You know, and right. and on my set, I will have that moment where I okay, okay, I'm going to talk about this, and obviously, I don't do it exactly word for word every time, um, but I think it is important. My dad always used to say, "Make them laugh, make them cry," and and that's like the key to success. And I think, you know, you want to give your personality to people, and and you want to you want to create this world, and and I I really like the idea of my fans not just hearing a song on the radio and liking it and that's all they know. I want them to know that, you know, my dad died and I had a drug problem and, you know, I've had my heart broken and I've been going 10 years and all these, all the, and I've got a cat called Barney, all the way from, you know, what my cat's called to my dad dying, you know, yeah. like one extreme to the other. And I, I want them to be a part of this whole world. So when they hear the songs, it isn't just, oh, I like that hook. It's, ah, oh, I get why he said that because I relate that to, to this happening with me or... You know, and it's supposed to be this this whole, you know, in, integral like world that everyone's in this web of feeling. We're all we're all enjoying it, and I, there's something really special about a show because everybody is is has a connection to the same song, and they're all in the same room, all together in this one moment, singing, and every single person is singing. Or because of a different reason in their head, you know, they might have had their heart broken, or they might have lost their parent, or something. But they are all for that one moment, all together, feeling this this thing that they all love at the same time. And that's the same with sports, you know. If someone scores and everyone has that moment together, where they're like, "This is our team, and we feel this." And I think that's the sad thing about the lockdown is that we're not going to have any of those moments for a long time. But you know, that's the that's probably one of the reasons my job is so great is because it can give so many people this feeling of, of unity. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm really enjoying your passion there as you're going off explaining this, buddy. But that, yeah. but that really is it. It's you're drawn into the passion. You're drawn yeah. into the storytelling. It's the relatability. You know, it's that dopamine that comes out when you are able to connect with that story. Um, yeah. And I feel that's how, and that's essential 
essentially how you've been able to grow, grow your following. Yeah. Because you, you yes. are just yeah. telling beautiful stories. As, as painful as they are, they're relatable. Yeah, they are. Yeah. And I mean, I, 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 sadly, they are relatable because a lot of my songs are very sad. So, you know. Yeah. When are we going to hear something cheery from Billy Lockett? <laughs> what about, well, I did a cheery song. I did a... Oh, is, there, is there any chance we're going to get like a summer release? Yeah, I did a song know, with um, I did a drum and bass song. I did that song "Love to Give." You, you did, know, Diamond. You that, did, you that's did, happy, did, isn't it? Sort of. It's sort of. Happy. But that was cooked up in someone else's studio, not yours, was it? <laughs> I didn't actually write that. Yeah. God, I God. I think <laughs> I I'd, if, if you invited me over to your house, I think I'd turn it down. I'd end up crying or like you know come out of depression. <laughs> it is sad. Well, like, Billy, get off the piano, please, please. Come on, let's let's just. Let's just let's just watch EastEnders or something. <laughs> uh, you know, like like EastEnders is going to be giving me more joy than this. this you're the piano. <laughs> it's a weird thing, isn't it? Oh, no, but the thing is, nothing makes me happier than singing sad songs. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's you're that makes me it. happy. <laughs> you know, I know I know my lane, and I'm just sprinting down it. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good point you've just brought up because you know. Anyone that has achieved greatness, I think it's true to say they've stuck in their lane. And yeah. you're now currently, um, you've just brought out this album that's inspired by a lot of like contemporary classic, classical music. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about that sort of pivot? I know it's probably not a complete pivot off of what you're doing, but it's something new and experimental for you, isn't it? Yeah, I've always wanted to do this. Um, and me and my dad used to make classical albums all the time when I was a kid. So it was more of like just bringing back nice memories of, of basically playing, really. That was our way of playing together, where he would try and work out how to record, you know, back in the days when nobody recorded at home. Um, whereas now we live in a world where it's normal to have a studio at home. But, you know, back then it was impossible. And and I really, I don't know, I just really love music. And I, and I like the idea of trying so many new things. Like I did a drum and bass song last month and now this classical album. Then I'm, obviously I'm going to be releasing, I haven't, I've never even put out a debut album before. Do you know what I mean? I've never, um, I've never, you know, <laughs> I've done Shepherd's Bush Empire and O2 Arena and all this, and no album. I've never had an album and I'm, you know, 28 now. So I think obviously that is, that is obviously my dream and my love, and, and I'm, I'm still working on that, and that's still coming. But I'm you've just never enjoying... had an album, but you've got like a body of like two hundred odd songs, no? I have, yeah, and and I'm trying to sort of <laughs> filter Surely it we can down. make an album out of that, no? <laughs> well, the problem is they're all shit, Johnny. They're all shit. <laughs> no, <I'm joking>. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's there's some that. Are well, good. you've got yeah, one got... point two million people every month <laughs> listening to them, so they can't be that shit. <laughs> Yeah, no, they are good. I know I'm into it. Um, it's just I really I so. just I just want to I just want to enjoy every moment at the moment. And w this drum and bass song really kind of got me thinking. Oh, maybe I should just music is fun. Music is is everything. And I just want to now I've got a studio. I've learned how to produce. That was a big um, that was a big breakthrough. Um, learning how to produce and make my own music now because now I don't really have to rely on anyone. I can just sit yeah. in my cellar and just make 
album after Got album. Freedom. Yeah, um, yeah, brilliant. And it'll be and it'll be bliss, you know. And, I, and, and the best thing now is, you know, I've re- I've produced this song and I, I come back to it every couple of weeks and you know change a change a keys part or add a drum in. And it's really it's like a really organic, natural way of making music rather than you know when I was signed to the label, it was. Right, you're gonna go in the studio that's gonna cost two grand a day and we have to get the single out of you in that day and then that's it. Do you know what I mean? And you're just like, God, that's not really how it works. You know, what if what if you're on an off day or it does you don't vibe with the producer and so many times yeah. where I would call a producer and be like, you know that you know that bit that goes blah 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 blah? Can you just put a bit more you can you just make it sound like it's underwater a little bit? And they'd just be like, What are you on about, Billy? You're mental. And it's like, ah, oh, now I can just do that. Now you I can, can do be that. like, okay, yeah. I know what I need to do and I don't have to call anyone or wait for them to get in the studio or wait for the like to drop their kids off. No none of that. I'm just gonna go and make music. And that's why this classical album has happened, because I've just sat here through lockdown and, and made it and created something I'm proud of. And hopefully I can do more and more of that now. <coughs> what's, what's, your, um, what's your relationship like with rejection? I mean, have, have, you, know, have you experienced in your career rejection as such? Uh, I'm thinking never, about my audience never. right now. And... Most arrogant response. What's that was word it, mean? Re, re, what does that word rege- mean? Reject what? <laughs> Never heard of that. <laughs> no, yeah, of course I've yeah. I mean, Go yeah, on. I mean, yeah. You know, as, as my audience is is kind of watching this right now, um, I'm looking for relatability within this conversation. So, you know, it's something we all go through and face in life. You know, my guys might feel like they've been rejected by certain social groups, tribes, women. Um, in your world, perhaps again, you can relate to that, but also the 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 whole music side of it. You know. What's your yeah. experience been of it and how have you dealt with it? Um, I think it, ha- well, in America, it, it can be quite bad because I think the American scene is very much, we love you, we hate you. Do you know what I mean? It's very uh, up and down. But I think I think you just have to be focused on, on who you are and, and what you do. And there's a lot of times where I've thought about rejection, especially in this lockdown where, I don't know about you, but I'm reminiscing a lot. And I'm starting to go back because I'm not really making any new memories. I'm really going back on the old memories that I've that I made through my life. And right. there's there's a and it's it's quite I think it's quite healthy to be able to look back at a situation and go, I understand why I was rejected and I understand that it wasn't my fault. And and I think that's really important that you don't kind of punish yourself for rejection because it's a two way thing and a lot a lot of the time it's probably Sometimes it can be quite a good thing, I think. You know, so, say with the label, you know, that at the time I, I kind of felt like it was rejection, but it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, and I didn't know it at the time. And there's, you know, there's been women in my life where, you know, it's kind of... As, and and the, the same thing with, with the drug addiction problem. It's one of those things where, God, you, you know, like there can be women in your life where you love them and they're amazing, but they're going to ruin your life. And the fact that it didn't work was was brilliant. Um, sorry, I got a call. I got a call. Are you still there? I got a call. Yeah, I'm right? here. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. thought you might. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you here. know, there's those situations in your life where you know you um, you think, ah, oh, I'm really glad that I was rejected there because that would have killed me. <laughs> so, I think rejection's healthy um, to a to an extent, and I have felt it in music. You know, obviously, this job is 
it feels like you're just yeah, banging. I, I, I rem- it still feels I, I remember like it now. We were, I remember we were talking when, um, you know, you left the label and you know, there's all these kind of thoughts you were having and, and um, uncertainties going through your mind. And I remember just saying to you, I was like, look, you can only be excited of what's to happen next. Yeah. And I think, yeah. I think your manager was telling you pretty much the same thing. And, you know, you couldn't see that before, like, you know, it was just like, well, this has happened, this has happened. And then, you know, it was like a week later, you got an email saying, hey, do you want to be on the James Corden show? Yeah, yeah. It's you crazy know, how, it life, just, just like, how life it's just does like, that. Yeah. <clears throat> it's an amazing But I really, I really like thing. that. I think that's an, an important <coughs> kind of um, bit of feedback, you know, to understand that rejection can be a good thing it can be a good thing to to an extent obviously um but i i mean there was there was a time when you know i'd just been dropped uh by the label my dad had just died i was getting really heavily into drugs everything was very wrong um and sometimes you really don't feel like there's a way out but life works in mysterious ways And, and a lot of the time when things have gone very wrong chances are something's gone very right very quickly afterwards um i don't know whether that's like wishful thinking or whether it's fate or or whatever it is but usually i i sort of believe everything happens for a reason because recently i've been living my life with that view and things have really been working out and i I think as a lot of what i feel now is I'm really trying not to worry as much because I used to be a serious worrier. You know, you know, I used to be a worrier um, Yeah. because I used to, you know, come over to a yours worrier. and just worry. <laughs> yeah. <I'm> a worrier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I was just constantly worrying, and now I'm just like, God. And I think this lockdown's probably made everyone realise that so many of the things that they really thought were important actually aren't as important as they thought. Like, you know, in terms of their jobs and all these situations that people were so reliant on. Now it's kind of like, oh, well, I've lost a lot of things that I thought were important and I'm still here and the world, you know, and everything's still okay. And You know what I mean? And it's kind of like, oh, okay, you don't need to constantly panic about things. And now I'm starting to just enjoy life. Um, and and it it's making it a lot easier, you know, to not think, oh, I'm not big enough yet and I haven't got enough fans and I haven't had a number one. It's like... Yeah, but stop worrying about what you haven't got and start thinking about what you have got. You know, you're healthy and you have a yeah. you have you earn money from your career and you enjoy what you do and you have people around you who love you. All those sort of things that I think we had forgotten about when we were living in the fast lane before this lockdown. All anyone really cared about was success, making it. And now I think all everyone cares about is family, uh, not getting mm, ill. Love. You know? Yeah. Love. Oh, you know? Basics. Yeah. Yeah, and it's great. And it makes us realise that what we need is the basics a lot of the time. I think the world's yeah, going mean, to be a very I, different you know, place. I, I have become the ultimate barista. I don't know if you've seen yeah. my Instagram post, but I, I've learned how to make iced lattes, cappuccinos. <laughs> you know, I got all the right measurements. You know, I'm, wow. I'm a hop, skip and a jump from getting a full-time job at Starbucks after this. I, I tell you what, I'm, I'm that good. Have you got a coffee machine? <laughs> You've got an actual thing? No, 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 that's cheating. You don't need a coffee machine. You cook it on the stove, you know, and it all... You're oh. joking me. You're never cooking coffee beans on a stove. Dude, you've gone to new levels of boredom. Do you know what? I'm getting really into baking, actually. (laughs) 
All right, okay, the audience I'm... are like, uh, the audience are like, uh, I tuned in for music and dating advice. What's this like Betty's Baking Show? <laughs> <laughs> Mate, honestly, don't knock it till you've tried my cookies. They are absolutely incredible. You know when they're soft, but they stay together. You know, they All right, firm. I think we'll do a show next week and we'll do coffee and cookies with coffee Billy and, and Johnny. I yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. I like that. It's got legs. It's got legs. What I want, I want to ask you this question. I want to, like, being in a relationship and being on the road and away from your partner for long periods of time, what was your coping mechanism and how were you able to deal with that? Because uh, I think it, whether you're a musician or not, you'll be able to relate to this. If you're a workaholic, you put work first, you're away from home a lot. Um, yeah. What's your take on this? I think um, for me, uh, one of the important things of being away is to make sure that you don't always talk every day. Because it gets to the point where if you're having that phone call every evening with your girlfriend or boyfriend, it's kind of like it starts to just get to the cycle of, what have you done today? I did this. What have you done today? I did yeah, that. You're not really cool. talking about anything. Yeah. And then all Nothing of a sudden your brain your brain starts to get into this habit of we're boring as a couple. Do you know what I mean? Because because the conversation's boring, because you're not experiencing any of the things together. So she's just mm. kind of laughing at your stories and then you're laughing at her stories, but you're not really there. So I think one thing that w we managed to do was kind of say to each other, okay, we're only going to talk like, you know, three or four days a, a, a time. So that then we've built up three or four days of things to talk about. And then, and then I think it's better. It makes it a little bit more exciting. And then you start to actually look forward to the conversation. Do you know what I mean? You start, really start, oh, good point. Really good bit of advice there, I'd say. Yeah, 100%. it makes it a bit more interesting. Obviously, it's hard, though. You know, when I think there was a point a um, couple years... I oh, know, I think it was not last year, the year before. I was on tour for nine months of the year. Wow. Um, wow. And so I just... I never, I never saw her. Um, and it, inevitably, it led to us breaking up. So it was... It was um, it was dire, really. And, and I think that's sad sometimes because it's kind of, it's circumstance that breaks you up rather than you not working together. I think that's, that, that's the hardest breaks, breakups is when you know that it wasn't your fault together as but people. But you got back together. Yeah, yeah. Right? Crazy. So, so, so that's a really good point. The point you just made there is like, if you're, you can potentially make something work if the circumstances change, right? The yeah, circumstances life, yeah. for you were like, you know, you had to be away. So it was like a, a need was not being met, you know? Yeah. Like and the I, simple and I think things, waking up in the morning well. and having, having coffee in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. I think obviously people, people change and, you know, she'd got this new job and, you know, she was really excited about it. And, I, you know, and obviously when I got a tour, I'd be away. And obviously you do. But I think a successful relationship is, is one where you grow together and you have to you have to understand that people go through certain certain types of things. And you and obviously, you know, the person that you initially started dating is not the same person. If you're with someone for like eight years, they're not the same person yeah. that you met. And instead of um, sort of almost punishing them for that or being angry or bitter about that. You need to kind of embrace what they've become 
and be excited about what 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 they'll be and you know and I think I've changed a lot because of her I think there's a lot of um a lot of parts of me that I would not have known existed um without her so I think that's important really I think so the person can, I am when what, I'm single what, what, um, for example what would those points be I think I'm just I think I'm a bit funnier when I'm in a relationship I think I'm a bit more calm I think they're like mm. the positives I'm happier um I think the negatives are maybe I'm not as driven uh maybe I'm not as much of a workaholic um I'm slightly less focused um but when I'm single I'm a little bit more uh kind of frantic um and and I can never really sit still I'm, I I remember through that I was I had a patch of about 7 or 8 months when I was single and you know, if there was even an hour in my diary that wasn't full, I would panic and think, oh my God, I need to see a friend or I need to do something. I could never just relax on my own um, or I'd have to book in a session or something. So I think, yeah. you know, there's pros and cons. But at the same time, I did feel quite free and I felt quite um, sort of, pa not powerful, but just really, I felt really confident in myself at times. Um, there was this euphoric feeling of, I'm completely alone and everything's great. But then there was those feelings of, I'm completely alone and everything's awful. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, there's, there's good bits and bad bits, but I like, I like, it's an interesting lyric. There's a song by a guy called Lauv and, and the lyric is, I like me better when I'm with you. And I think I- I like that. And I, I yeah, like that. and it's really nice. And I think I, I really relate to that at the moment. I'm really enjoying who I am. Um, and that's obviously down to the people I'm around, you know. But I think it's a really interesting point we just said there was that we evolve in the relationship, you know, and it's important to identify, you know, either one or the other evolving and then also adapting and perhaps almost having that conversation as to what do we expect from each other and what yeah. role do we has the role from each other changed you, you know as 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 the progression of the relationship moves forward which obviously you guys have kind of consciously or unconsciously done yeah i think it's also the fact of you know you have to give it's almost in a relationship you're either being loved or you're loving and i think yeah. the balance has the balance has to switch. My dad used to teach me that. It was like, if you're constantly loving someone, you're not giving them a chance to love you because they're always, really they're always being point. loved. Yeah. So I think it's interesting to try and change it around sometimes, you know, so they're, it's almost like tennis. It's almost like a conversation as well, like talking and then listening. Yeah, I, the right I use that analogy between. a lot, you know, like a stimulating <laughs> conversation should feel like, I don't know, Nadal and Federer. Add it, yeah. you know, just yeah, one yeah, over yeah. there. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. But the thing is, like, I don't want to win. I don't want to win the match. I want someone to stimulate me that's better than me. Yeah, you know, you just want a good old rally, don't you? You're one of those players yeah. that just wants a rally and doesn't care if they lose. I hate that. I hate playing tennis with somebody. Who doesn't. I want to. I want to beat someone and I want them to be gutted about it. I want them to go home and be like, I lost. <laughs> Anyway, we're diving into the tennis, literally, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Uh, we're, we're coming up, we've got like three minutes left on the clock here, but yeah. we'll, we'll see if we can go a, a little bit longer anyway, even if we have to do like redo the live. I just noticed there's two questions uh, here in the box. And guys, anyone that's jumped on a bit late, reminder that there's a question box at the bottom here. Throw your question in there, whether it's about music, or it's about dating, whatever. 
Um, you know, throw it in there, we'll get it answered. Well, we've got two minutes left. Let me quickly get one of these. Oh, none of these questions are even valid. <laughs> um, I'm not even going to ask why. <laughs> no, no, I mean, like, we can't even respond to those questions. <laughs> but, um, okay, what, great. What's, what's next for you, though? Like, so what's next I'm gonna... for you? I'm going to work on the actual album. I mean, obviously, I'm putting out this classical album, which I love, and it's great, but it's finished now. So the next thing is mm. just work work on the actual debut album. I need to finish it. It's taken me, you know, all my life, and I still haven't actually finished it. So that's the next plan. That's yeah. the big thing that I'm looking forward to. And then touring again, whenever that is. I mean, God knows when that is. But, you know, it it will come back one day. If you're enjoying the content, head on over to Instagram and slide into my DMs at London Dating Coach. Um, what what I've learned what what I've learned um, after a breakup is, I think, the default direction of where the mind usually goes is towards resentment, right? which doesn't really make sense. You know, whoever tripped up, whether it was yourself or them, or, you know, something over time, there was a lack of behavior that you needed from each other. Like you did understand one's, uh, the other's way of communicating love or vice versa. This person gave up their most valuable asset and that was time. And it doesn't matter how you guys have reached to a, reached to a point where you've decided to end you should be grateful, right? So it sounds like you're some... you're telling this to me. It sounds. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, yeah, yeah. What, what just I've so learned, everyone knows, what I've just learned. to clarify, this I mean, wasn't I've my told question. You all this stuff, I've told you all this stuff before. <laughs> don't like, don't make out. It's all new to you. This is like um, <laughs> this is like a therapy session for me in front of twenty people just staring. Oh, at me sorry. Are we like... live? Are we live? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, jo join me live tonight where I'll give Billy Lockett live therapy. Live <laughs> therapy while he cries and that's right sad songs. No, but, jo it. but jokes aside, jokes aside. I mean, I think I think you know um, the the what I've learned from breakups is to be grateful, grateful for the experience you've had, and remind yourself of what what positives were in the relationship and how the relationship allowed you to grow to the next level of yourself yeah you know? and also i would like to add that there's a tremendous amount of energy when one goes through a breakup what you choose to do with it is completely up to you you can go down or you can go up and you can evolve into you know your higher self a and, better um, person every, yeah and, and every time it is a better person and you take the lessons from that relationship and become better for the next person moving forward yeah. Which I think is a beautiful thing. Does that give you enough that... thinking time? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I found that I, um, I think I remember telling you about this actually. I felt really uh, reliant on, on her, and when I, when I was in the relationship, um, it it felt in a bad in a bad way. Do you know what I mean? Like I was dependent on her, and I used to think, mm. God, like, you know, um, if anything happens. I'd be a complete 
disaster. I need her uh, for everything. Wow. Um, wow. And I think that's I think that's a terrible. And I think a lot of people do get into that cycle of God, like, you know, I'm nothing without her, um, and that's that's really unhealthy. And I think when I when we broke up, I I remember thinking. Gosh, like it's nice to to only really have to rely on myself again, and and I I felt like God, I'd never want to, I promised myself I never want to be that dependent on s- someone that I've literally not really any control over. Do you know what I mean? Like it was that thing of out of nowhere they can suddenly say, actually no, I'm not feeling this, and my life is over, and I just hate the yeah. idea of anybody having that kind of power over over me. Um, and and now and now obviously you know things are good but it, and, and you know it'd be awful if if something happened but at least there is definitely that feeling of I'm not dependent I'm just you know it, it's not really that dependency it's more that sort of unity of like we we love being together but we're still strong on our own and we've just collect, we've we've just come together as two units to to make a powerhouse rather than it being God I need you. Journey mm. to, mm. I'm nothing without you. 100%. I, I think <coughs> that, you know, who you choose to be with should uh, complement what they should you already have. should complement you, yeah. yeah complement yeah. you, not become a necessity. You know, I think that's that's just not yeah. a place, uh, a valuable thing. Um, anyone got any questions? Okay, we, what we're doing now, this is the second part to the live where we're giving... Uh, the listeners, the viewers, the opportunity to ask any question, whether it's about music, dating, um, the songs Billy's, Billy writes. Uh, okay, here's a question for you, Billy, from Kerry. Yep. Kerry goes, would you ever get a dog? And if so, what breed? I love cats, but would love a dog would too. Would I ever get a dog? <laughs> what breed? I love cats, but would love a dog too. Okay. Uh, a King Charles Spaniel. Have to be a King Charles Spaniel. Oh, yeah? All the way. Ah, oh, love him, but obviously I've got Barney, and I think he'd probably just leave if I um. Yeah, if I you ever can't do that cat. to Barney. And do you know what? He's brought me two birds and two mice this week. Just this week, two birds oh, and two mice. I mean, like killer. serious presents. But apparently, it means that they actually don't think you're capable of feeding yourself. So it's almost a bit of a a, a sort of piss take, really, because he's kind of like <laughs> you're a loser. He's like, you're a loser, Billy, and you look unhealthy. You need to eat more. <laughs> he's trying to feed you. Yeah, he's trying to feed me. Yeah, he has no idea how useless he actually is. <coughs> Without me, anyway. But yeah. So you want to trade him King to catch Charles chickens? Spaniel. Oh, the dream. That'd be, that would save a lot. I, yeah. I had... Um, I had uh, my friend was looking after his friend's dog for a couple of weeks. And... Wow, like I had the first day was beautiful, right? Well, I took this dog out, this little black Labrador puppy. I took him to the park and, you know, it was joyous. We became friends. He became friends with everyone he was bumping into. He was the ultimate wingman, the <laughs> ultimate wingman. I tell you, I didn't even have to say anything. Everyone just falls in love with the puppy. I posted it on my Instagram. Yeah. It was hilarious. <laughs> and then my friend fell ill and I had to look after this dog. And uh, which I had no problem about because we were getting on so so well. But then the puppy, he's got a schedule. He's got a schedule. He's got to go out. He's got to go to, on the toilet at this times. If he doesn't, he he urinates on the floor, and you know he's making all this noise. And I was I was like, oh my god, like how did <laughs> how did my parents get through bringing like me and my brother up? Like who would want this in their life? 
you know? Yeah. But the then like... Just for Christmas, as, yeah. As, yeah. As a few days went it's on... It's a proper you, commitment. You know, you become to love it, love the, the, the little, the little yeah. pup and, and take it for what it is, you know? <clears throat> I mean, I, I mean, Barney's kind of my dog, really. And, and the interesting thing is Barney was born on the day my dad died, literally the same day. So it's, wow. he's like, so he's exactly like the age that I've, that I've not been with my dad. So I feel really, and I think I got Barney when he was only like two or three days old. So I'm basically his life. Do you know what I mean? He doesn't yeah. know anything else. Um, and I think that's quite, it's quite nice having someone who's like so dependent on you. And um, in terms of like, that's my pet and that's my thing that I, that I have to, that's my... Uh, my commitment, do you know what I mean? It, it's up to me to make sure it teaches you a lot of values, I think. I you think know. so. I think it gives you a bit more structure as well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you've got to be totally. more mindful of letting the cat out or letting the dog out, you, you know, and I think it's yeah. preparing us to be that paternal human. Making sure he doesn't die, life. basically. It's like basically yeah, exactly. when, you're, when you're bringing up. I'm still struggling to baby. keep my plants alive. Oh, don't even get me started on plants, man. God, I've got these four indoor plants, right? I bought them off Amazon. It's weird. I bought them in a, and it literally came in a in a parcel, a plant parcel, right? Yeah. And the fuckers won't stay alive and I'm pouring water in and then it's like, oh no, you're going to drown them. And so I don't pour water. Oh no, now, now they're thirsty and you're going to... They're gonna die of dehydration. You're just like God. These plants are more. These plants are harder than what than plants me are they? as a human. I don't, oh, they're just. I'll show you them in a, in a bit actually after this. But I've now I've got them lined up on the windowsill in in the sun. I'm trying. Every, what venue would you most anyway? This one's plants. from my mum. This one's from my mum. Most like to perform at. Oh, um, well, to be honest, it was Shepherd's Bush Empire. That was the. Um, that was yeah, my dream that venue. One. That was the venue, man. That, that was the one that I've always wanted to do since I was a kid. That was the that was the venue for me. And it isn't. It's interesting because it, I think it's because it's the first big. It's the smallest big venue. You know what you, you know what I mean. You know when you're doing shows mm. and they're they're good and you're enjoying them and you're selling them out and stuff. But they're like venues that no one's heard, like Borderline and Bush Hall and th things like that. And it's like yeah, cool, that's nice. But Shepherd's Bush yeah. Empire is like a statement, you know what I mean? It's like that, that. Right, it's got more notoriety. It's the first show that you do where you're kind of like, okay, there's there's two balconies and there's a left yeah. tier. And my name is. That must look amazing front. to like look up on stage and see that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that was the first time that started happening. And sadly, it kind of, you know, this, this tour as well, this was one of the first tours that I've done where it was kind of huge um in terms of venues that like every venue is like six seven hundred cap and and it felt great it's it's a shame that suddenly it's all had to stop really for the next two years i mean holland has just said that they're not having any gigs until there's a vaccine at all like wow. no gigs allowed um so and i think england's probably going to do the same and germany's probably going to do the same so it's funny because eastern europe are really like they're getting back to normal they're, yeah. they're progressing yeah, they are, but I, I still think I still think venues are going to be one of the last things to actually open because the whole point of a gig is that it's lots of people next to each other, closed together. Can you imagine how bad the um, the uh, the sort of the picture from stage would look if there was a two meter? Room? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? How it's like a the screen between like yeah. the people. It's like hey, and everyone's just like yeah. just got their face masks on, um, and also they're saying that obviously like a. A 2,000 cap venue is now going to be 
you know, three, four hundred cap, which is which will mean that the ticket wow. prices have to be have to be three or four times as, as much because obviously you need to still make you know, you need to still be able to afford to put the show on. So a ticket that's a tenner will now be 40 quid. But the problem is no one's got any money anymore because they've lost their jobs and things. So, you know, it's it's going to be tricky because everything's going to be more expensive and everyone's going to have less money. So it's like mm. people although, are going to... Although what the hell are they spending their money on? Yeah, you know? true. I mean, it's like, that. you know, people that are getting like the government supporting like 80% of their salary or whatever, um, <laughs> you know, there's less distractions to spend your money on. Like I've... I've saved a lot of money, like by not going to restaurants, drinking, yeah. and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, a lot yeah. of people are going to come to the realization of why have I been spending my money on this crap? Anyway, yeah. next question. <laughs> like saw like you in... gigs. Saw <laughs> 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 so so you in Ruby, Ruby sessions, sessions in and became a fan instantly. Love your drum and bass direction. How did it happen? Uh, so I've been mates with Dimension for years, probably about five or six years now. Um, and I, I think it's interesting. I went to his house once and we tried to make something work. Um, and it just didn't basically. And I was trying all these different ideas and he was trying things and it just wasn't clicking. Um, and so we always kind of wanted to work together, um, but it never really happened. And then this really sort of just came out of the blue. Uh, Rob just had a, had this track that he felt my voice would work really well on. And, and I, I remember I did one one session in in my cellar here literally recorded the vocals here and it just instantly was like oh yeah this is this song's perfect for me um and uh and yeah it was it was crazy i i think we did all the vocals in a couple of hours went to king's cross Amazing. in the studio and it was just really quick and easy and i think a lot of the songs that have been really easy to make have always been the most successful and, and that's that's an interesting thing. Everything that's just kind of flowed and been at just a breeze, recording went well, producing it wasn't hard. It's always ended up being the most successful songs. Mm. <laughs> yeah, but this 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 question is is I like this one. Which Spice Girl uh, would you date? Oh God, I don't even I don't even know what I don't know much about the Spice Girls. Um, oh come was, on, was there, get out of here. Was there Baby Spice? Was that there one? Was, was it the blonde Spice. one? Emma Bunton. I think I probably. Yeah. Oh, is that and that? Is that her? Right. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Wait. <laughs> yeah. Although I have got a little yeah. bit of a soft spot for the ginger. Yeah. I quite like the like, strawberry. <laughs> strawberry blonde. Have you a few? A few? A few schoolboys had the uh, soft spot for the, <laughs> the Spice ginger. Girl? Would you date? That is such a cla- That's classic Toby. That is. That's classic Toby. <laughs> Yeah, what's he like? What's he like, mate? So the the, the ginger, yeah, ginger spice. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, uh, that, yeah. Question, what's okay? What's the first thing you'll do after lockdown? Well, probably have a beer. To be honest, I've kind of said to myself that the next time I drink is going to be having a pint in a pub. So <laughs> that'll be the first thing I do after, yeah. and that might be a year's time. Um, I also don't. I don't think I'm. I'm not really thinking with that headspace of all the things that I'm not able to do. Um, I'm, I don't think, I think a lot of people's lives won't actually change that much after this lockdown. I think a lot of them will actually realise how much they enjoy this life and the whole idea of not going into work yes. every day. <laughs> just just selfishly, just, just, yeah. just spending time on their own and like locked up in their apartment. Weirdly though, I, I think, um, I don't know what it's, maybe it's different in London, but... You know, everyone outside of London has a lot more space and 
and it's it's quite enjoyable, really. You know, being able to just relax. Everything's a hell of a lot I, calmer. I've, I've enjoyed it. I've, I've I've enjoyed the simple life of just kind of getting up, working, you know, training every day in the park. You know, yeah. coming back, working. You know, eating like in in improving my cooking skills. Yeah. Um, and your eat, coffee yeah, making. And my coffee making. Yeah. yeah. Seriously, don't, don't knock it, mate. You're going to be like, whoa, you, no kidding. This is the shit. Um, <laughs> sure, yeah. But yeah, I think the first, first thing for me that I'll do after lockdown is go and see my parents. Ah, right. yes. Yes. Yeah. My stepdad is, my stepdad, I haven't seen him in ages now. He's And he's one of the really like sort of risky brackets because he's actually got cancer. He's been living with cancer for years oh, and, he's, wow. and he's over... I know it's fine. He's had it. For, he's had it for ages. Um, five or six years now, I think he's had it. Um, and so it's. I mean, he's not ill. He's he's fine. He's just. Uh, he's basically just not allowed to go out at all. And obviously, I'm on my a mum's, <coughs> and obviously, my mum's quite. Um, I mean, she'll kill me for saying this, but my mum's quite old as well. So <laughs> I actually said she was old on the radio the other day, and she. Was, oh God! She, what? She. Well, I didn't say she was old. I was just saying, you know, she's. <laughs> She's in the bracket. Oh, I was having Jesus. doing an interview on the radio, and I was like, "Yeah, no, she's you know she's nearly nearly sixty, so you know she's in the bracket of old." <laughs> in the bracket of old. I mean, that's pretty old, isn't it? Sixty's old, isn't it? That's not a bad thing to say, is it? I mean, uh, I'm... <laughs> next qu- next question. What have you been doing to keep yourself busy, Jordan? Just loads of wanking. Just wanking, wanking. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Be careful, uh, because, yeah, on my channel, you know, there's a, lot, there's a lot of men that actually I encourage to not do that, you know? So don't be, don't be on the other side of that going, encouraging it. Because no, you're selfie, effectively man, sedating yourself, gentlemen, <laughs> and robbing women the opportunity no, to experience your I masculinity. Totally, I totally so disagree with that. Stop bashing the bishop. No, I totally disagree with that. If if a guy is going out there to pull women and he hasn't and he hasn't, you know, and sort of, you know, had a wank for a while, he's gonna be this weird, crazy, sexually frustrated man going, Come on, come on, I, I need it. Do you know what I mean? Whereas if he's <laughs> He's you know, not gonna be that. Well, you know, if you're telling him I don't know, know I haven't I long. haven't had a night out in Northampton, so maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> I don't know what sort of where is that place you wanna go for that pint? Because I think I'll steer well away if it's full of dudes yeah, yeah, like yeah. that. No, 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 you don't want to be going there. Yeah, yeah, we avoid those places. What have you been doing? Uh, so what have I been doing? Um, just just working, making music, uh, baking a lot. Um, and it's nice. I think it's going to be harder when it's winter because we'll have literally, we won't even be able to go outside. Do you know what I mean? I, I think there is apparently going to be a corona wave in winter as well. But... I just think um, I'm reading a bit as well, which is quite nice. I'm just doing all. What are you some, reading? I'm just, I'm just pottering around. Just loads of Where's Wally books. You know, have you read them? They're brilliant. <laughs> They're really, really good. And I found everything. You, you'd now, actually, man. we could actually recreate a Where's Billy Lockett and just dress Where's you up Billy? as as the as the Wally. Where's Billy? I that like would be fantastic. This, you know that what? would we be a put really a good little, marketing uh, campaign. That would be. Good, do you know what that would be good in? As a book, a little book in in the vinyl. So you get there the vinyl, but but in the book, it's all where's Billy's. Oh, I love that. I'm doing that. I'm doing that. <laughs> um, but yeah. So 
what else have I been doing? Oh yeah, I'm gonna be decorating, I'm doing things around the house. I mean, that's one thing. Everyone's houses and flats are gonna look incredible after this lockdown, aren't they? Because <laughs> everyone's just, any little job that I had, I've done now, everything. It's just like, oh, I've been meaning to fix that door on the fridge for months, oh, everything, sorted. You know what I mean? <coughs> like any kind of scratch, any hoovering, like my house is pristine yeah. now. Have you thought about doing live streams on Twitch? There's a great music community on there. I have actually. I've heard about this um, a lot recently. It's like a gaming. It's like a gaming platform. Yeah, but I mean, there's a lot of like DJs that are using it as well to stream their like sets and stuff. So yeah, um, it's a cool like, idea. Probably musicians could do the same sort of thing, you know. I mean, there's always going to be these new apps popping up. Like obviously, TikTok is is becoming the biggest thing ever now. Mm. Um, but I was I was saying to one of my mates yesterday that I feel like we're at a point where all the apps really know their place at the moment. Do you know what I mean? Like every app has its, really has its, has it's sort of like, it fits really nicely. And I think TikTok is obviously, if you want to just have a bit of fun, it's very quick. Uh, it's obviously, people say it's for kids, but I, I don't think it is. I think it's just no, that. I really mean, look, look, here's, here's, here's the deal. Everything starts off for kids. You know, like Facebook, yeah. when it first ever come out, it was like little 16, 17 year olds were on it. Now everyone and their dogs yeah. on it. Same with Instagram, same yeah. with TikTok. You get the early adopters and then it transitions. Question I forgot to ask you, by the way, is how do you feel social media has helped you connect and grow your audience? And, and what methods have you used to grow it? Uh, yeah, I think it has helped. Um in terms of you can really get a personal connection with the fans now um and you can re you can you know on a daily basis give them a window into your life uh i think it's i think it can be quite uh damaging sometimes because you can kind of get into an addiction for likes i think everyone does that feeling of um you post something and if you don't get the the amount of likes that you're used to you can by the way guys think, after we post this video if you can give me a like and uh, a comment underneath the video. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, we have this sort of obsession now with uh, not being able to feel good about ourselves unless someone likes us, and unless someone ticks that box. And you know, there's times when, you know, I'll put a post up and, and it won't get many likes and I'll spend the rest of the day going, ah, oh, everybody hates me now. Everybody's gone off my music now. Wow. And it's such a, and, and loads of people do that. I think, I think so many people will do that of, oh, I thought I looked really good in that picture. Maybe I don't, maybe I'm fat, maybe I'm ugly, you know? And it's not that at all. It's probably the algorithm was wrong or it was a bad time of day or, you know, or maybe people are just busy and the world doesn't evolve around you. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's that. So I think yeah, so, yeah, yeah. social media can, has been great for me in the, in the fact that, you know, there's, there's people that I, you know, my fans are really engaging and, you know, I'll post something and and chances are I'll get hundreds of comments because I like talking to people. And I try and reply to everybody, um, on, especially on Facebook. And some of these people saw me eight years ago. Do you know what I mean? With supporting mm. Katie Tunstall. But I can still manage to talk to them on a daily basis. Um, but obviously there's nothing beats the real thing. I think it's, I think social media is almost just like a mailing list now. It's also kind of like a CV of your of your career and your journey. It's like a scrapbook of, of what you've done. <coughs> yeah. So it is important. It is important, but I don't think I'm, I'm, I'm training myself to care less and less about numbers. 
and right. care and care more about the actual content and about what people are actually saying. And I think that's nice that fan mail is so easy to receive now. And people will say, you know, I mean, as intense as I was going to kill myself, but your song came on the radio and it stopped me all the way wow. to, you know, which is heavy, but it's amazing because yeah. it's like, God, that's such a, I'm glad that it helped. I'm sorry that you, you got to the point where you wanted to do that, but I'm really glad that you didn't and I'm and I'm proud to have had a part in it and it's, it's yeah. the craziest thing is I don't even know this person I don't even know this person's name I've never met them before um but you know the fact that my job can have that impact on someone I don't even know is awesome I think that's a great thing yeah. and that's why I'm so lucky to do this Kerry says yeah. your fan base is broad from children to now no. when I hear you call old people, what do you think is, <laughs> what was that? The full question is, what do you think is behind, what do you think is behind your wide appeal? Yeah, um, so I, I think a good song is a good song and it doesn't matter what age you are, where you come from. It, I think it, people, you know, if they like something, they like it and they don't know why. And I think that's important. And I don't, I try not to, you know, go on any hypes or any trends. Um, I just want to make sure that what I do is quality, um, whether that's a pop song or whether it's a ballad or whether it's a drum and bass. I just want it to be good. And I think people, you know, want that. They don't care about... I think it's nice at my shows, you'll see, you know, a 14-year-old girl has come to my gig with her granddad and they've both bought a T-shirt and a CD and they both had a great time. And it's like, that to me is like, yes, I nailed it because I... I wanted to write music that just hits people and it doesn't matter who you are or what age you are or what nationality or anything. It's just, I felt that in my heart and I don't know why, but I get it. And if I can get that with a 10 year old, a 10 year old girl and a, you know, a 70 year old man, I've nailed it. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> I think anything, if it's good, it's good. And that's it. Yeah. You know, great. All right. Like someone just commented there, like your music touches my soul. I lost my dad at twelve, and, and you and you nailed it. So yeah, um, yeah, you're really connecting with your your audience on on what they've experienced, you know, emotionally. Um, beautiful. Um, something I want to ask you, and I ask every everyone that uh, I, I do these lives with, is if if you were up for execution, I don't know why, I don't know what you did to be there, but what would your last meal be? What would my last meal be? Po probably a uh, roast pork crackling. You know, like a roast dinner with really nice pork crackling over the top. Because that is, ah, oh, that is my yeah. favourite food. I remember when I was five years old and my mum gave me this piece of crackling off. And I was, I was like, what the hell is that lumpy, crazy thing? And I, I still remember where I was five years old when I had that and it hit my mouth and I was like, okay, this is my favorite thing in the world. So yeah, probably be that. But yeah. it would have to be- Oh, with some apple sauce as well. Oof. Well, I, I know I never got on the apple sauce hype, but it would have to be cooked by my dad. That's the only issue. I think I might have a bit of a struggle there. Okay. <laughs> but... All right, that's, that's a good one. <laughs> but yeah, all right, wicked. This has been fun. Hello? 
Okay. Ne next one. All right. Next one is um, if you had to host a if you had to host a dinner party. Yeah. If you if you had to host a dinner party. Yeah. Yeah. Your signal's bad. Yeah. Uh, no. One sec. Let me see. Oh no! I've got a good signal. I think your signal might be bad actually. Um, okay. Yeah. All right. But I'm ready. Right. I'm ready for um, the question. If if you if you had if you had to host a dinner party, what guests would you have, past past or present? Um, what guests would I have? Uh, I'd. Mm, that's interesting. Michael Jackson, because I've got a hell of a lot of questions for that guy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> who else? Uh. And Louis Theroux. I love Louis Theroux. He's one of my favourite people in the world. And I would love to listen to him talk to somebody in real life. Do you know Louis Theroux? He's a, docu he's a documenter. Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's done some yeah. great, um, great docs. Yeah, he is my hero. Um, and probably Hendrix, actually. Yeah, I just saw someone commented Hendrix. Yeah, throw him in there. I don't reckon he'd say much, but, you know, he'd be as good a listener as I am. <laughs> yeah. So that, okay. that's it. And and uh, where where were, just as subject to Michael Jackson by the way where I, I think like everyone remembers where they were when they heard the news that Michael Jackson died, do you remember? Yes, I do. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I was in a campsite where, where, with one of my mates. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy. It was a really weird, and he just booked a huge tour, hadn't he? Do you remember he was doing like yeah. twenty dates at O2 Arena or something mad like that? Um, and then yeah, and then it all went very wrong, and then obviously. That horrendous documentary came out, which is uh, very controversial and, you know, pretty mm. tricky. I mean, I kind of, um, I'm kind of on the on the believing side of it. Uh, I don't know where you are on it, but I kind of do um, believe them. Uh, yeah, it, 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 there's two sides to every story, isn't there? And, and um, it, it doesn't yeah. look good. I mean, yeah. the, big, the biggest <laughs> lies, the biggest lies are often out in wide open space. And if you yeah. looked at what he had, it was like a, um, man, it was like a, a, a paradise for pedophiles. Yeah. You know, yeah, it, it was like, it was like Disneyland. Yeah. You know bad. what he created. So yeah. anyway, that, that's, a, that's <laughs> a different conversation, not one I planned on having tonight. <laughs> um, anyway, are Billy, we done? Are we good? <laughs> I think we're tired out. I think we're tired out because I'm on getting hungry. And I, I don't want to leave it on that note. But anyway, um, listen, thank you, thank you for coming on, and thank you everyone yeah. that, that came on and even asked questions. Um, yeah. If we didn't get around to answering your questions, why not send Billy or myself uh, a message directly? Um, Billy, where? What's I know you mentioned earlier about what's next, but where where can people find you now? I mean, if you want to share the, the Spotify, I mean, is there other social yeah. media links you want to kind of preferably send them to? Yeah, I'm on everything Instagram. Um, my my Instagram tags just there. It's pinned there. Um, yeah, Spotify. Listen to my music on Spotify. I've got Facebook, Twitter, all of it. I'm everywhere. And you like can even go on, you can go on, go on to his website, and you can get a Billy Lockett T-shirt. Yes. And signed signed albums. Can you can you sign an album or sign a T-shirt uh, or something? 
Yeah, when the album's out, yes. Yeah, it's not yeah. even out yet, but yeah, when it is, I will. Great. Excellent. Cheers, okay. buddy. It's been a real hoot, you know. Um, Cheers, yeah. And, and hey, look, it, it beats staying at home bashing your bishop, doesn't it? You know, jumping yes, on a call it does. For, so I'm doing some good yeah. in the world. Yeah, although that's a very healthy thing to do as well, right? <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, see all you right, later. buddy. <laughs> okay. Bye. All right, guys. Um, there we have it. That was a fantastic conversation uh, there with Billy Lockett. Uh, if you're enjoying these, if you're enjoying these live conversations that I'm having with interesting people and friends um, from a diverse sort of range of backgrounds, then give me a follow. Give me a follow, and I will um, introduce you to who the next person is going to be next week. They're typically every Tuesday. I know this was uh, on Thursday. Uh, I've already booked in the next guest for Tuesday, and um, I think you're going to learn a lot from this one. So uh, keep an eye out for my updates. And yeah, if you've got any questions relating to dating, relationship advice, I'm your guy for that. So commit to a follow and keep an eye out for my updates. All right, guys, enjoy the rest of your day and God bless. Hi guys, if you enjoyed the content, why not head over to my YouTube channel and hit subscribe. If you wanna send me a message directly, head on over to my Instagram, London Dating Coach, where you can contact me directly.